we made this. I downloaded some um, episodes of Cinematory purposely to listen to on the plane when I was on my way to Turkey the other day. Yeah. Because um, I, I hate flying and it makes me dead anxious. But um, <laughs> I realised that it's too relaxed a style for me to listen to when I'm feeling really anxious. Oh. I needed something where people were just constantly like upbeat. I would <laughs> to with everyone. You, there was too much silence and I just kept... Every time there was a, a pause, I was just like... Ah! <laughs> Fucking hate fly. <laughs> if that's something editing, I'd rather have it more rapid, but then I can't be asked to go Dave I'll edit it instead because it takes so long. <laughs> I've got into the habit of listening all to all podcasts at about one point three times speed, just because I often don't have time to listen to a full one. And then when I listen to anything at normal speed, it just sounds so slow. Yeah. Hello and welcome to Without a Mouse, where we search for a hidden gem in all the shit. All the shit. Just all of it. Just the other thing, though, is that that way? I've had a brilliant idea. I'll make it. I've not made it because I came up with it about like an hour ago. Instead of a theme song this time, we do... Flash by Queen, but we plays Flash with Gus. Yeah. I like the dubbing stuff on the Gus film. If you manage it, that would be pretty funny. Yeah. That's the thing. It, it get, it's getting very boring talking about very boring things. <laughs> Gus? Hello everyone and welcome to Without a Mouse Podcast, the podcast where we watch and review the obscure and forgotten live-action Disney movies on the hunt for a hidden gem. And yet again, we've not managed to find one. End of podcast, goodbye. (laughs) So yeah, uh, I'm Tim, hello, and I'm joined by Big Willie Wilson himself. Hello. And uh, we left you guys in charge of choosing this week's film. Thanks, guys. To be fair, we've not been doing a very good job of picking any. So, and the main reason we did pass over that responsibility is because we didn't want either of us to be <laughs> responsible for this week. And uh, what were the choices? So we had unidentified flying oddball, Gus, and we also had a third film, Barefoot Executive. <laughs> That's the one, the Barefoot yep. Executive. Yep. And then after one million eight hundred sixty-four thousand votes. <laughs> We came up (laughs) with Gus. Who's Gus? So, going into this film, literally all I had to go on was the cover that was on uh, Disney Life, um, which is just a picture of a horse wearing a helmet stood next to a football coach. And, to be honest, that's the entire film. I can't believe the listeners fell for a funny animal gimmick. (laughs) Who'd do that? Yeah, if I hadn't put that picture up, people wouldn't have uh, voted for it, I don't think. Speaking of uh, funny animals, so you've had the tar ducking experience recently then. We uh, reviewed a duck, then you went to Turkey. (laughs) Exactly, yes. I just wanted to throw that gag in there. I thought of that one last week and I thought, yeah, go on then. Did you see that I put it on the the tweet? The promotion tweet, I actually put an emoji of a turkey and a duck. 
Bloody hell, you actually promote a podcast. What you, what, you paid for promotion? Yes, Chris, I paid for promotion. This this podcast is... No, I didn't. I about to say. To say. This we're, podcast we're, is worth the zero pence that it takes us to produce. Yeah, we're so cheap. <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon. <laughs> that was the other thing. I realised I had every intention of setting up a Patreon account because, you know, the uh, fees for Patreon are going up, but only if you haven't yet made an account so my plan was to make a patreon account for this god awful podcast just on the off chance we ever got popular enough to use it and um i was in turkey at the time when the deadline was and didn't realize until the day and was like oh well never mind i think i've got a patreon account i can't remember just as a uh donator though right <laughs> so patreon.com slash big willy or something who knows <laughs> well maybe we'll have to convert it to the without a mouse yeah. or, or even sin- oh, oh no patreon.com slash cinnabon if you don't tell dave and rob <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure they'd be happy with that oh yeah Oh, going back to Twitter polls, I did a Twitter poll before we started tonight to ask the listeners what I should drink on the podcast, and they chose cider, so that's the cider I'm drinking. I hope that's cider. I know, it doesn't look like it, does it? It looks a bit like orange squash or piss. Yeah, but I say, it looks like you should go see the doctor. It's really pale for us. It tastes good, though. But um, there were more people that voted in that poll than there were <laughs> voted in the um, the film choice. So what you're saying is that we're doing the wrong podcast. It should be... Yeah, people are more the, interested in what we're drinking we're than drink what we're podcast. watching. I should have put up a poll about what uh, kind of monster I'm drinking. Tonight I'm drinking the purple one. Which is which goes very well stood next to the orange one that we've still not thrown away from last recording, yeah. which was three weeks ago. It goes nice next to your Pikachu. <laughs> yeah, we've got all of my Amiibo on the shelf next to Chris. Ah, purple. <laughs> I did have a quick sniff of the orange can a few minutes ago, and I did think it did smell orange, to mm. all fairness. Mm-hmm. Smells like mould. <laughs> yeah. No, come on, Monster's never going to go mouldy. <laughs> Not after a year being open. Yeah, that's true, yeah. So yeah, I um, have been to Turkey last week, which is why we haven't recorded for a little while. Went all the way there for a wedding, Kirsty's sister's wedding. And now her and her fiancé, uh, fiance, husband... I was about to say her husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Gemma and her husband, Steve, have just jetted off for a three-week honeymoon in Disney World. Do you think it was like some sort of shot taken at you and Casey that you should go to Disney World? Like, look at us, we're doing it. We're doing it on our honeymoon. You should go. They got engaged in Disneyland Paris as well. So they're just like really rubbing it in our faces. <laughs> just like treading on your aspirations. But yeah, very, very jealous that they're over there. They've been sending Kirsty pictures. Um, they sent a picture of... Um, Meeting Goofy yesterday. Yeah, have they kicked Goofy in the nuts yet? As is tradition. <laughs> if I say, yeah, that's the only way you'll get me to Disney World. Is within like your ticket, you get like one free voucher to kick one of the mascots in the nuts. There would Consequent be a mar- three. There Consequent would be a market for that. There would be, yeah. <laughs> anyway, Gus. I suppose. Um, so you watch this one on the Disney Life? Yep, as usual. Went for the cheapest option, other than you know torrenting it for free. Which, as it turns out, you couldn't. I went on the Pirate Bay via my Netherlands server 1 VPN. <laughs> and uh, on the Pirate Bay, there's literally one copy of Gus with no cedars, only like two leeches. So, like money bags that I am, I uh, had to pay £2.49 on YouTube to watch this. Holy crap. Yeah, I 
I'm not at all surprised that it's not there on the Pirate Bay or anything like that because there's some really obscure shit on Pirate Bay, though. You know, no matter what film I've wanted to watch over years, there's always been something. Yeah, I suppose it's difficult to search just because it the name of the film being Gus, I guess, will cause a bit of an issue as well. Yeah. Can we get right into that? The title. Yeah. Mule kick is right there. Mule kick. Yeah, it's an expression. Is it? Yeah. It's an actual expression. I don't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> the actual manoeuvre that he does to kick the football spoilers is a mule kick. Right. Well, a, 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 a kicking with your hind legs. Let's have a quick, quick look. Mule kick. You say kicking with your hind legs, Chris, but humans only have one set of legs. That's why we're not very good at it. Oh, mule kick is also a the name of a perk in Call of Duty. Yeah. All right, yeah, so Mule Kick is a thing. Yeah. Right, well, it's funny you should mention titles that this film should have had, because I did a very li- brief bit of research on IMDb before watching the film, and found out, did you know who wrote this film? I didn't catch it, no. Um, I don't know if I wrote, oh, yes, I did write down his name, Ted Key, whose cred- writing credits include The Cat from Outer Space and Million Dollar Duck. Oh, dear Lord. So you it's see, all connected. So you were really angry last episode because you thought it should have been the goose that laid the golden egg and it was a missed opportunity yeah. because that's a, a, a well-known saying. Yeah. In exactly the same way, this film should have been called Mule Kick, which is a phrase, and it wasn't. So what is the cat from out of space? What's that supposed to be called, then? The dog on Earth? <laughs> Probably, yeah. I saw a lot of similarities once I realised this film was written by Ted King because it had some very similar, a very similar writing style to The Million Dollar Duck, I thought, in some ways. Um, I'm not entirely sure. I don't remember the film being so slapstick heavy. Uh, this has been Million Dollar Duck. There were moments, but I mean, we'll get into this, but like, literally, there's no actual jokes in there, you know, like ones that are said, whereas Million Dollar Duck did have a couple in there. Oh, they attempted them anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is one thing going, before we even start on the film, there is very few jokes in this film, isn't there? Mm. Like the actual dialogue, It's it's a, there are a lot of physical bits of comedy, but the actual script is quite dry, weirdly. It is, yeah. It feels like on the script page, is like literally a physical gag every page. Some of the setups that we get, I mean, there's one in particular I want to point out later on, but they just they don't belong in the film. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, and then the the thing that made me think very much of The Million Dollar Duck, and to be fair, made me think of a lot of the films we've watched so far, is the dialogue never strays even an inch away from the main plot. Yeah. In that we don't get any character development, we don't get anyone... Literally, there are no conversations in this film that are not directly moving the plot forward. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, but it seems to be a, the case for a lot of these films that we're watching. <laughs> Unfortunately, yes. So, let's let's get into it. Okay. Um, this was the first film we've watched that had a cold open. Yes, I uh, didn't realise what was going on at first. No, oh. I thought something had missed on... Uh... In fact, when I watched it on Disney Life, um, it started strobing right at the beginning it looked like scan lines from a crt tv oh yeah, yeah. Um, and i was like is it supposed to look like this um and then it completely conked out after about 10 seconds of the film but then when i went back and rewatched it it was fine yeah, so i don't, so, know yeah, I don't what... think it was supposed to be designed like that yeah it was the app rather than the film that yeah, one. instead we start off with a game of football this is the actual football 
not the American football. And as a um, lifelong hater of all sports, um, it lost me straight away, this yeah. film. <laughs> I bloody love sports, so, well, <laughs> football. Yeah, so our football gaming... Does wrestling count? I like that as well. I'd say wrestling counts as a sport. Fair enough. I like two sports. I used to like Formula One as well. It's energetic, so I'd, I'd call it sport. Yep. But yeah, um, we're at the football game in Yugoslavia where there's a footballer called Stepan. Yes. I think that's the best I'm going to be able to pronounce <laughs> it. of it, yeah. Um, and he is basically the greatest soccer hero of all of Yugoslavia and his parents and younger brother are in, at the stadium uh, to cheer him on. I think I already knew what sort of level of quality filmmaking we're going to get here because yeah. we've got the, uh, Andy and his family in the crowd, which is clearly a green screen. Yes. Then you've got Stepan on the pitch, which is clearly a park. Yeah, that was the thing. There's um, All the way through this film, there's heavy use of green screen because it, most of the film takes place in sports stadiums, yeah. doesn't it? But um, they obviously haven't paid a whole crowd yeah. to be in their film. So it's all using stock footage and really badly stitched together. Yeah. Um, heavy uses of parks as well. I'm surprised they didn't. Yeah. Wasn't at one point just a man walking his dog across the screen? Yeah, and this film came out in 1976. So we can expect the the effects to be pretty bad anyway, but they were grievously terrible to look they at. They were. It was and a very ugly film the whole way through. And I find it interesting as well that they did this film with a cooperation of the National Football League. Yes, because there's official team names and everything, yeah. licenses in it. But yeah, they couldn't borrow a stadium or maybe for a halftime show film some of this. Yeah. B- bit weird. Yeah, very odd. I think we go to what turns out to be the title sequence. This very threw me off because I originally thought it was just the name Gus after they made a comment and that was going to be it. Yeah, it, yeah. The, the the title Gus appears on the screen. There's a little sting of me, of sort of American-style pet rally football band music. Yeah. And then we carry on. Yeah. But then the credits just keep sort of invading the film, don't they? <laughs> it's weird. I, I like the idea at first. I liked how it was invading, but then I realised, hang on a minute, they've been doing this for five minutes now. Yeah, it goes on quite a bit. Yeah. So yeah, straight from the... Uh, fo- well, we're at the football in Yugoslavia. It's made very clear that the dad is very proud of Stepan, his son, and doesn't give a shit about his younger son, Andy, who he basically knocks off his seat. Yeah. Um, oh, I completely skipped over. We have introduced to Gus. There's like a little mini scene after the Stepan bit uh, where Gus kicks his first football. Yeah, so we go straight to um, the family farm of uh, the... Is it Petrovich family? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, Sounds Yugoslavian enough. Yeah. Do. And Andy is um, showing Gus his the mule, his football moves, and accidentally falls down a well. Um, Grinsby and... Town tried to sign him right away. <laughs> yeah, um, but... Gus, um, then, yeah, Andy says, he, I give up. I hope I never see another football as long as I live. And then Gus kicks a ball over some trees um, in a really straight line and then becomes apparently becomes famous in Yugoslavia as this, this mule that can kick a ball. Do you think this is Disney sort of racially stereotyping again that the Yugoslavian population is so poor that they've got nothing better to do than admire this horse that yeah. kicks balls? Yeah, it. Luckily, we get away from Yugoslavia pretty soon after that. Well, yeah. straight after this. I was about to say, we only ever get one dodgy accent from Andy, and that's about it. It's almost an American accent, I think. Andy's yeah. accent. It's it's not too in your face. No. But one thing I had to say about the film so far 
is I had no idea who's who. Um, it's the shittest opening to a film we've watched, in my opinion. I thought it was really rushed and sloppy. For instance, the scenes where we see them, the family at the football field, Andy has a... He's wearing a flat cap, which yeah. is pulled so far down over his eyes that you could barely see his face. So in the in the directly following scene, I didn't even realise to begin with that he was the same person as in the football oh, yeah. pitch. I couldn't tell if the person... Because as well, we when we go to the farm, Andy's doing some pretty impressive football kicky-uppies and stuff. Mm. So I thought he was supposed to be Stepan until he fell down the well. Um, so I found the intro really hard to follow. I think I got it, but it was only just, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And then straight after that, we go to the headquarters of the California Atoms, which I looked up and they're not a real team. No, they're not. I did know this one, <laughs> no fairness. No, you don't have uh, teams named after st- states. There's no. different cities. And we've got Coach Venner and the f- team's owner, Mr. Cooper, uh, going over some film playback of the atoms being shit. Um, and this is where the credits come in, because basically, we're as we're seeing shots of the atoms playing, every so often it'll freeze, and we'll get some of the credits occur, and then the video will carry on. Now, if Andy was like Grinsby Town, then uh, these guys here were like York City. I'll, I'll take your word for that. Yeah. <laughs> York City is somehow two divisions lower than Grinsby. Really? Yeah. Is that why Even... Rob Yeomans is always saying new low on Twitter? <laughs> Correct, yeah. <laughs> You've been literally one league away from the Sunday leagues. Right. They used to be like a full-blown football team, but now they're not. Oh, dear. Yeah. It's all gone to shit a bit. I seem to just... Wherever I move has a shit football team anyway. So, mm. But um, we've mentioned before about all of these films we've watched that they're just rattling through the plot as quickly as they can. Um, we're three major scenes and major plot points into the film and it's only been two minutes and 27 seconds. Yeah, well, uh, breakneck <laughs> speed. Yeah. So the, the synopsis of the film has already been established by this point. We're two minutes into hour and a half film yeah. and we can kind of tell where we're going to go. This shit football team is going to hire this donkey. Yeah, in fact, I think they literally hire Gus about six minutes in. Yeah. Because there's a scene just before that where they establish, you know, the coaching staff incompetent. They don't even realise the players aren't there yet. The cheerleaders, like, really old and haggard. Yeah, so it's not just the team. Like, the whole crew around the football team are just terrible. Just completely incompetent, yeah. And, yeah, they hire Gus Samuel. Um, It's supposed to be just there for the halftime show, though. Yeah, um, just you know, for a bit of entertainment, try and get people back into watching the California Atoms, even though they know they're going to lose badly. So yeah. that's the strategy. One thing I noticed was um, during this sequence where we're meet, we're establishing the team and we're meeting the cheerleaders and all of this. There was some really terrible sound mixing going on between shots, mm. where some of the shots were dubbed in post and some of them were actually live on the field. Yeah, so you were going from shots where you could hear. The you know the background noise and the air rushing through this microphone to then suddenly go cut to a shot where there wasn't any at all. Oh yeah, yeah. And again, for like a for such a big corporation as Disney, like a big studio, I was really not happy with <laughs> with that. For you know, there's no excuse in it. Not really. There was a decent gag involving sound though, because we have a match band going along, and then within all the like calamity that inevitably happens, it turns out 
it's just the guy playing it on like a, a record player and they bump into him and they knock the sound off. Yeah, that was that was a decent joke. I did you, actually have a bit of a chuckle to that. Yeah, so we're already like 17 slapstick gags in and that's the first really good one. Yeah, and there was bits where like the cheerleaders, one of the cheerleaders did a backflip through the bass drum and broke yeah. it and things. So yeah, some decent decent gags in this but, bit. But we are just trying to throw everything yeah. at the film desperately to try and make sure people stay interested in it. Yeah. So Mr. Cooper, the owner, he's adamant that he's going to get this mule um, and he rings his... Right. He rings this woman, Debbie, who is there yeah. at the football, but we never find out what her actual role is. I'm assuming she's his assistant or secretary or something like that. Yeah. Well, but it's never, it's never established what her role is. Team liaison, I think. Yeah. This is something that comes up a lot in this film is like... People are just there, there to serve the plot, so they don't even get a job title. Yeah, <laughs> they can't even decide on who Debbie's in a relationship with. No, that's that's something coming up, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, um, he's Cooper asks Debbie to put up um the mule, but also Andy, um, and she's okay with that. And her boyfriend? Yeah, her boyfriend Rob. Yeah. Is not best pleased and. Again, not really established until a lot later on, but he's actually a member of the football team. Yeah, I just thought it was just... Because he looked quite old. Yeah, he looks really old. He's in his 40s. Yeah, he has a cracky moustache, though. But he he says the classic line of like, oh, we thought we were going together. And it's just like, really like 50s dialogue. Yeah. (laughs) I thought we were going steady, man. And yeah, so Randy and Gus are in... They end up in America. They have a scene where it turns out because it's a different football... Is Gus going to be able to kick it? Yes, he can. And, yeah. Sorry, going back to that whole point of um, this guy, I think Debbie's boss has asked her to put up a work colleague Mm. in her house, and her boyfriend openly just says, oh, well, you're my boyfriend, so don't have someone else living in your house. Yeah, that's the last time he's living there, isn't it? Yeah, it's a very professional situation, but he takes it, as if she's gonna leave him for this person he's never he's never met and she's never met. But the thing is, they never really establish the relationship between Debbie and Rob to begin with. It's all very confusing. It's like it's the same what, as like with um, why not just have him as like a jealous lover on the side? Why having him live there? It's very like um, Computer War Tennis Shoes, where we really didn't know if Kurt Russell was with that woman. Or oh, that, that thing stood up aside sometimes. Yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, so going back, uh, we do... Just think we could be reviewing Kurt Russell again now, if it weren't for our fans. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah, because he was in The Barefoot Executive, wasn't he? Yeah. Don't worry, Kurt Russell's definitely coming up later in this podcast. This is an example why democracy doesn't work. So Gus turns up for the field for the halftime show, and there's a little bit of tension because Andy says that Gus has never kicked an American football, which is obviously a different shape to a soccer ball. Does it matter? So as a physics, if he hits it in the middle, it's not going to matter what shape it is. I don't know these things. Yeah. But um, part of the course in these films, we set up the tension that he's never kicked a football and it might all go to shit. Then two seconds later, he kicks the football and everything's okay. Yeah, well, I mean, logically speaking, they do have to test it before they actually go live on a field in front of 40,000 fans. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. It's a case of... Oh, no, we'll be able to do it. Oh, no, he's done it. Okay. They might as well have not bothered setting up that tension at all for the amount of build-up they give it. It might as well have just not... It makes you wonder why in Yugoslavia they had to have it as soccer and a soccer ball. You know, they play rugby over there. Or they did do when it was Yugoslavia. I'm sure they did. So why not just have it be rugby? 
because Disney won't have spent any time uh, researching. researching. Sorry, I've just spent this ho- that whole section of you talking, thinking there was an issue with my microphone, and then because re- I couldn't hear myself talking, and that was because I wasn't talking. <laughs> I'll let you talk some more, then, if you want to. Make no, no, sure everything's no, okay. we're good. We're good. Everything's okay. fine. <laughs> Technical issues are not happening. Speaking of uh, everything being fine, Rob, to the exhibition game. Yep. Which is sort of like a pre-season friendly sort of situation with the California Atoms. I'm glad you knew that because I didn't. <laughs> yep. And they're doing absolutely terribly, but they celebrate because they get a penalty, which means they can score three points. Hooray! Yeah, and there's a there's a joke in this again where Coach Venner, who's the head coach, can't tell the difference between the millions of coaches he's got and players. So he's asking people to go on the pitch and they, they're like, I'm I'm a coach. <laughs> yeah. There's a weird bit, so we get to a halftime show. And Or before that, yeah. we had one of the worst examples of green screen in the film, which is where a player misses kicking the ball and his own boot goes over the goalposts. Yeah. But like um it's this uh, almost stop motion animation of the boot like going over in circles as it's in the air. And it just that combined with the extra green screen of the crowd, it just looked so bad. It looked <laughs> really like, ugly. It looked like someone went on YouTube and typed in green screen shoe. <laughs> yeah. I meant and put that into Adobe Premiere. Yeah, it was bad. But yeah, then we get to the half time. Yeah. And this is the bit where I turned on Andy as a character. Right. Because he's getting stage fright yep. for leading the horse, which is the attraction. Mm-hmm. It's nothing to do with him. Yep. It's all the horse. And yet he's the one being, oh, I'm scared. This is my moment in the spotlight. And runs away, and Gus has to shove him back on, quite rightly. But it's like, this is nothing to do with you, Andy. Yeah. You're literally here to look after the horse. Yeah. All he does is he puts his finger on the ball to steady it so the horse can kick it. Yeah. That's his entire job. Yeah. Uh, so the cheerleaders go out on the to the pitch instead to perform because he's chickened out, and they get into a pyramid, and then Gus pushes Andy out. They, he kicks the ball, and it the cheerleader on the top of the pyramid actually catches it and i thought this was quite a funny little setup and it was quite although the green screen was terrible yeah like it, it was quite a funny visual gag it was yeah it was, so the second decent visual gag we've had 19 minutes in i um i quite like the head cheerleader as a character um i think you know like everybody else in this bloody film she had no character development or anything mm. but um she, even though she's it, it, I think it's supposed to be funny that she's quite overweight, but she's really like up for a laugh and she's positive, even though she knows she's a bit shit. Yeah. She still goes for it. And I thought that was quite funny. I'd rather have was... her as the Debbie role, the, the mandatory love interest, as it were. I'd yeah. Have, I'd rather have had her just... Someone something... with a bit of humour to her. Yeah. A, it would have been different, and B, I think she would have provided the script a bit more potential than what it had. And consider, yeah, considering that Debbie's role in the whole team is never actually mentioned, there's no reason why the cheerleader couldn't have been the love interest. It would have easily fit into the film. There's no reason why the cheerleader couldn't have like been the liaison to the team as well. Yeah. This, is, this is clearly a team on a shoestring budget. Yeah. So why not have a uh, role doubled up? Yeah. So... Um, after this, we get a scene with a sportscaster on TV who's saying that the game was shit, but Gus was really fun, um, and that hopefully they'll Gus will be able to draw crowds to the stadium, mm. get a few bums on seats, even if the game's shit. 
Um, and then from there we go to uh, I've written Hooper's office, but obviously Hooper was from the last film. Yeah. So the same writer. Um, when he can't think of a new name for a character, he just changes the first letter because we've got Cooper and Hooper. Yeah, so in the Cat from Outer Space, you've got Mr. Booper. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Hooper, uh, Cooper is um, charming one of his poker mates called Charlie, um, and they basically, he bets the club uh, that the Atoms to win half of the games this season. Yeah, so that's seven. It's seven games out of 14. Yeah, and Charlie um, one-ups him and says, if you get to the, if you can get the team to the Super Bowl, you can keep the team. Yeah, or oh, so, win the Super Bowl, it must be said. Sorry, yeah, win yeah, the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, win it. Spoilers, they make the <laughs> Super Bowl. Yeah, of course they do. No, I'll talk about it later, actually. We're going to talk about... Cooper's characterization later. Okie dokie. I mean, I've written it in my uh, notes for the final thoughts because it he was annoying me a little bit. So, <laughs> oh, interesting. Stay tuned. Yeah. So afterwards, we've got a quick scene with Andy's family back in Yugoslavia. Fair his, they fair the other son who's actually really good at something. Yeah. And is achieving a lot of things in his chosen field. And then Debbie's got a date with. Uh, Rob, the mysterious 40-year-old footballer. Yep. Um, but Gus decides to feign illness, so it means that uh, Debbie and Andy stay together to look after Gus, and so it's established as bloody well faking it. Yeah. And then, of course, it means... Yeah, they actually get they get a vet out and everything to check that he's all right. They do, yeah. And the vet's like, yeah, he's fine. <laughs> yeah, charge it to a club. He'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. But for some reason, this means... Andy's logic is... Yeah, he's, the, he the, says, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah that... Because uh, the date between Debbie and Rob has been cancelled because it's taken too long. Oh, I know. Let's go and date ourselves. Yeah, he actually says, in my country, when date is cancelled, it's cancelled. And Debbie's literal response is, okay. So so she cancels on Rob, even though the date is supposed to happen like now. They've not missed it. She's Mm. just decided not to go. You can like, without logic, you can say anything like, oh, in my country, the woman pays for the date. Yeah, anything like that. And then we go to Rob's house where he's telling his roommate that Debbie stood him up. And when he rings her house, her some old dude, which I'm assuming is her dad. I've got no idea who this was. No, because it's never talked about. But some old dude answers the phone and says that she went to the drive-thru with Andy. So that's an absolute dick move on Debbie's part. It was, yeah. Was it the vet that answered the phone? Nah. No, it was wearing sort of typical sort of rancher kind of overalls and hats so i reckon it was supposed to be debbie's dad or the owner of the ranch. i don't i don't even i couldn't even really just tell if debbie lived in the ranch or that just gus was at the ranch it was there was a ranch i don't i don't know was it just a shed i don't really know oh no but yeah so we go to the drive-through um and rob is Rob goes to the drive-thru, sorry, and he's really pissed, as you can imagine. And the film that's on at the drive-thru is The Million Dollar Duck. I don't know if you noticed that. I didn't actually notice. I can't believe I missed it. It was only one very short car chase scene. Oh, shit. Oh, was it the car chase? Do you know what? I praise this film for not having a car chase in it at the end of my final thoughts. But technically... Oh, God, yeah, there is a car chase in the we, film. We watch a car chase at the drive-thru. Not only is it a car chase, it's a car chase we've already seen. That doesn't count. Does it not count? I don't think that can count. Maybe we should put a poll on Twitter 
and ask people. It'd be more popular than the poll for this one. <laughs> yeah, we got five votes for the film. We had six votes for what I should drink, so seven people will vote whether or not this is a good. This counts as a car chase or not. I'll tell you what we should have shown from Boogie Dollar Duck instead. Like, just like the US Treasury sat around talking about gold bonds. <laughs> yeah. Just like, just people sat in the cars, like, edge of a seat with popcorn, like, oh, God, what's going to happen next? Oh, I know oh, we were talking oh. about, like, who is the um, audience for Mil- the film Million Dollar Duck. Can you imagine how disappointed you'd be if you were ha- watching this as a date movie? Well, of course. No, um, if you were, if you went to this, the drive through and Million Dollar Duck was playing. Yeah, um... I guess the whole point is you're not supposed to watch the film at a drive through So, what year was Million Dollar Duck again? 70... Oh, it, did we say 71? Was it as early yeah. as that? Yeah. Damn, I was going to say, like, after Jaws had come out and all that lot, but no. This is while cinema was still quite sedate. Here's the thing, right? Million Dollar Duck came out five years before this film. How did Disney bankroll another shitfest by this idiot? Have you seen the Wikipedia page? I think there's about 30 shitfests in between. It's like they didn't have any like other employees at this point. Uh, get the million dollar duck guy. <laughs> How about thousand um, dollar horse? Yes, bite it. Yeah, Rob harasses Debbie, or so he thinks, pulls the handle off a car, rips the convertible roof open, and then Jaws from James Bond comes out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Like, literally, Jaws from James Bond. Yeah, literally, Jaws from James Well, why not? It was, again, another decent gag. Yeah. And I'm sure The Simpsons nicked this one. Probably did. Yeah. And then we you go... You what the way I'm driving my automobile? This is the only car I could afford. Your, your uh, vast knowledge of The Simpsons always... If I remember... Outshines, I'll spl- man. I'll splice the cliff in. People <laughs> recognise it. So we go to our next football game, and we go to the commentary box the where... The season opener, he should point out. So now... The season's on. The bet is underway. Yeah. Um, and the guy, oh. Pepper, he calls himself Pepper Potts. Yeah. I didn't catch his full real name. I think that was just the way he was referred to. And yeah, the, this thing. The joke here is that um, basically Pepper Potts are Motormouth and the other sportscaster yeah. never gets a word in edgeways. Yeah. I mean, the other sportscaster is a guy called Johnny Unitas, like American football player, quite famously. Oh, so he's a real... Yeah, he, oh, right. he was a real... One, like I think he like won like the Super Bowl, like like when it was like Super Bowl one or something. All oh, right, um, but that's quite interesting because like when I, obviously he doesn't really have any lines until a little bit later. He does get a few. Yeah, um, it makes sense that he's not an actor first. Yes, let's say. But unfortunately for this gag, the gag is that the guy just keeps talking and talking and talking to the point of it being irritating. I think the problem is that this gag goes on about three times too long than it needed to. Yeah, from an audience perspective, it's irritating and not funny, isn't it? Yeah, it's literally... It must have gone at least 90 seconds straight. I think the flaw in the plan is having someone opposite him who isn't an actor. Like, if you had a good comic actor opposite him, giving, like, lots of non-verbal communication, like, pulling some ridiculous pissed off facial expressions and getting irate because they can't get a word in it would have been a lot funnier but the guy who you just what was his name johnny johnny united johnny united he um just uh sits there basically yeah, yeah, <laughs> looking bored which obviously then we get bored yeah and there's some football that happens yeah and there's... it's the atoms versus the green bay packers yeah. which if i was ever to support a team 
of, of in American football, this would be the team. Do you know why? Why? Because I'm a huge That 70s Show fan, and Red Foreman's team of choice is the Green Bay Packers. Of course. And that's all I know, literally all I know about American sports. Right, fair enough. So there you go. So I was quite happy to at least know who the Green Bay Packers were. I was going to ask you for your opinion of American football in general, and not the bands that you wear with t-shirt. That's it. Yeah, I forgot to mention at the top of the episode, I'm wearing my American football t-shirt uh, in honour of uh, this podcast, uh, this episode. But obviously, I'm. It's American football, the emo band. Yeah, <laughs> not American football, the sport. No, <laughs> I often worry that people think I'm into American football because of the, these t-shirts. But yeah, um, at this point, I wondered if they only had the license to show the Green Bay Packers because it was the Packers that were in the preseason, pre-season game. Not... And, and they, I'm sure it was a preseason and in the clips they showed up again of them being really constant. Yeah, it was because, and obviously because it was literally the only team I knew. It was very obvious to me that it was always the Packers, and I was like, maybe they've only got. The license that for that. That's weird. Yeah, and there's a <laughs> Super Bowl. It's the Green Bay Packers again. Yeah, if every team that they played was the Green Bay Packers yeah. over and over again. So, Green Bay Packers have lost 28 times, but yet we have a Super Bowl. <laughs> but yeah, so Hooper sends Gus out um, to do the first field goal and he wins uh, three points. Can we just point? So, they do establish this pretty quickly in that they get it through a loophole in the rule book in that the team consists of players yes there's no definition of, of what, what a player is what yeah. a player is because the ref gets really pissed off but there are um no rules saying that it has to be human and this really reminded me of babe the film babe yeah did it you as well when yeah, you were it watching it because yeah. obviously in that babe's in the sheepdog trials yeah. and nowhere in the rules does it say that you have to be a dog so that's how even though it's called the sheepdog trials <laughs> yeah, it's in the title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because the NFL is not the human football league. It should be. <laughs> so it kicks for goal, they win. Yep. Um, and this becomes a common theme. They could go four weeks undefeated. Yeah. And then Charlie is obviously really pissed because he thinks that um, Cooper's cheating. Um, and Cooper suggests a little wager. Um, and then we go straight back to the stadium for the next scene and i again trying to show people how ridiculously fast this these films rattle through their important scenes of you know plot development that scene started at 31 minutes and 31 seconds and finished at 31 minutes 51 seconds so that was a 20 second scene like all together snappy you could be like that yeah yeah or more like that's the plot structure. Well, I'll say, you know, having visited Turkey, I uh, imported a big bag of pistachios with me. And obviously, like, uh, if I'd spent too long de-shelling my pistachios, I would have missed this entire scene. You dig what your pistachios now? In public? <laughs> In the privacy of my own home, Chris, I ah, de-shelled them. That's better. Hopefully for you on. And they fucking loved it. <laughs> oh, God. So... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I hate well, myself when I'm on this podcast. <laughs> so we have a quick little bit in, I think it's the fourth game or the fifth game, where Debbie's jealous non-boyfriend decides to tackle Andy yeah, deliberately. And this was the point when I went, oh, so Rob's a football player then? Yeah, I'd say I had no idea. I just thought it was <laughs> big fat guy with a moustache. Yeah. 
with really shit hair. I thought my hair was bad. Fucking hell. But um, because he's so vital to the team, uh, Cooper asks them to carry him onto the field on a stretcher <laughs> to then help Andy uh, help Gus kick the ball. So at this point, Andy still is one talent is to hold the ball and say, yeah. "Was it oosh or something like that?" Yeah, and then we have a shot in the shower room, and basically Cooper's laying into Rob for having endangered their star ball holder, and then. Uh, we go to a scene with Charlie, who is in like one of those old-fashioned sort of sauna sweatbox things <laughs> with a friend yep. stood next to him. Charlie's really worried that the Atoms are going to win the Super Bowl, and his mate offers to take care of it, is what he says. And then we cut straight to the gates of a prison where the warden is telling off, uh, letting out sorry, these two criminals, um, and the warden's saying how they've been in and out of prison together they're obviously they're they're always working as a team and always getting caught mm-hmm. um, but they say that, that this is it they're never going to work together and then instantly get picked up in the same limo <laughs> yeah um, okay <laughs> yeah so this has been bugging me and i forgot to actually check was one of the cons like the older sort of vata one shall we say was he in happy days was he the dad in happy days i thought that I've been, it's been driving me mad. I thought he looked a bit like um, Mr. Wilson from the Dennis the Menace movie. No, I don't think. But he was I think that, yeah. you're right, and and that's I knew it wasn't Mr. Wilson, but yeah. I couldn't put my finger on it. I'm pretty sure you're right. But yeah. the other guy, he died this week. Oh, I think we killed him, Chris. Yeah, Tim Conway. Oh, that's who it is. Yeah. So yeah, okay. Obviously, we're going to date this by saying so, but Tim Conway, who. Uh, he literally passed away only a couple of days ago. Um, he was the other crook in this film. Yeah. And I have to call them crooks because you, I don't think you ever hear their names in this film. No, you don't. No, I didn't get the names down once. I'm glad you didn't either because it's usually me that forgets the names. But um, that's the thing. This film doesn't give a shit about anything. anything. It's just, we need some bad guys. Here's some bad guys. Yeah. I've these bad guys, they pretend to be the guys picking Gus and Andy up for the next game. Because yep. they trans- get transported uh, with a trailer to the stadium. Yep. But then they deliberately get lost of an out of petrol, so they miss the game. Yeah. And so they lose the first game of the season. So to establish this football team is absolute dog shit. But the mule is so effective at kicking the ball for penalties all the time. Yeah, that you know is pretty indispensable. Yeah, there was a good gag just after the game when Gus and Andy finally make it. Coach Venner is giving the team a pep talk, and then they do the thing where you all put your hands in, and um, they had like a prop of Gus's arm. The this hoof. the hoof comes in as well, yeah. and that made me giggle. It made me laugh because it was completely the wrong colour. Yeah, it was, it, it, it was really it, dark, it, wasn't it? So, so to establish like Gus is sort of like a brownie sort of colour, uh, this was like complete black fur sort of thing going on. Yeah. Totally didn't match. I just found it funny because of that. There are some jokes in this film that, because the mo- the majority of the film is so unfunny, when the jokes do land, I was pissing myself. Yeah. And that was one of them where it took me so off guard because it was a really good visual gag that I did did laugh quite a lot at that. <laughs> In all fairness to them, they get a gag right, it seems to be once every 10 minutes, so you can say there's about seven or eight good gags in here it's just like yeah. they attempt so many around it like yeah. it just it's a bit not overwhelming but it just gets tiresome yeah 
And then we have um, a scene of Andy and Gus on TV in a news studio, essentially. Yeah. And they have a satellite link to Yugoslavia uh, with Andy's parents um, who basically say that Gus is the hero, not Andy. And that the, his big brother, Stepan, is a real hero. And I think that's pretty fair, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, about to say, where's the lie? Yeah. Uh, I watched this scene and I thought, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because... You're right. All Andy does is um, hold the ball for Gus. Gus is the one with the talent. And Gus spends the whole film kind of moping that nobody understand, appreciates him as being the hero that he is. And he's not a hero. He's not. No, he is one of these people that wants to be well-renowned, like, hero-worshipped well, without think... doing a single thing or a single day of graft to actually get there. I think rather than the wanting to be famous, he's more... The, the thing that bothers him the most is that his dad doesn't appreciate him. Obviously living under the sh- shadow of his older brother. Hmm. But you're right, like, he never... He, he just mopes about it. He never actually directly... Hmm tries to be good at anything yeah never pursues anything he might be decent at he just seems to keep on i mean at first it's like well it's a variation of football he gives up on one football goes to the other one instead yeah he's a cretin so then we go back to gussie's ranch which is under private military security after the last bungled um, (laughs) robbery and then the crooks use this mule puppet to distract the military who they managed to cause to fall into cacti it's a bit over the top yeah um, didn't really land that one. Um, and then the crooks spike Gus's feed with booze so that he would be unable to play, essentially. And so this is where we're at with Disney. Spiking horses. Yeah. I mean, they probably did it for real. We've already talked about the uh, blatant animal abuse in the last few films we've watched. Yeah, God. I, I, I did think about this before starting the film where I'm just thinking this is around the same period where some of the animals on screen, you can sort of question their treatment. Yeah. Gus, the, the mule Gus seemed pretty healthy in this, I thought. Yeah, but there's one shot later on that really irked me. Really? All right, okay. Yeah. We'll have to talk about that later, because yes. I didn't spot it, anything. It is literally right towards the end. Again, I was probably de-shelling my pistachios at that point. Well, well that film was playing, you know, it's <laughs> whatever's your kink, really. The guy on the stall saw me come in when I bought these pistachios. He charged me an arm and a leg for him. I don't want to hear you about you coming, thank you very much. <laughs> I'm really bad at haggling. He charged me a lot for some man- some dried mango and pistachios. Are you deathly allergic to pistachios, or is it literally just peanuts? It is technically just peanuts, right? But I just avoid all other nuts, just you know, to be to be sure. There are peanuts aplenty in our kitchen, so be careful. Okay, because <laughs> that was the other thing. We've got a big box of Turkish delight as well, and that's got lots of okay. nuts and stuff in. So, yeah, I won't lick your kitchen sides. While I'm <laughs> yeah, at. don't lick me fingers. Damn, it's <laughs> the only reason why I do this podcast. <laughs> Shh, don't tell them. Yeah, so we go back to the stadium for Gus Day. Yeah. Which is... Like these days, it'll be hashtag Gus Day. Yeah. Um, And all of the team players and everything have all got hats with mule ears on. A bit like your Mickey Mouse ears when you go to Disney. Yeah. Um, And there's a horseshoe-shaped tunnel. um, But Gus is pissed, so he knocks the tunnel down. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, he uh, manages to run off with the mare on his back. And then uh, falls on the ball and pops it. I don't think he did very well in that game. No, I think they lost <laughs> against somehow. Yeah, so Charlie's gloating because the team have dropped to second place. And then the Atoms managed to win in Boston. And the plane carrying them back to California lands in LA. 
Rob goes to gets off the plane running towards Debbie who passes him to kiss Andy. And I was like, Rob has every right to be pissed off now. Yeah. This escalated quickly between Debbie and Andy. Yep. Now that kissing. Yeah, and Andy looks really shocked that he kisses her. So I I put blame kind of all on Debbie because she just is like, oh, well, apparently I'm now with Andy. Maybe she got Mr. Cooper's instructions incorrect. Maybe it was like, shack up with Andy, and she was like, yeah, okay. As in literally shack up. Yeah, Yeah. that's a perfectly normal request. Fine, yeah. At that point, Andy's not really shown much interest in her, to be honest. Andy's not shown much interest in anything apart from his own vanity. Apart from, wow, my daddy doesn't like me. Well, there's a reason for that, Andy. Yeah. In fact, this is the second film where we've seen people get off a plane and snog. What was the... Computer was... War Tennis Shoes. That was the... Oh, God, yeah. The only snog in that film was when he was snogging a supermodel. Yeah, but I think it wasn't even his girlfriend. Was it his no. girlfriend? No. No, he's just a supermodel, yeah. Yeah. Then um, one of the crooks calls Andy pretending to be a doctor saying that Debbie's been in... Yeah, so this is later on. Debbie's been injured in a crash, a car crash. Um, so he meets Andy at the hospital, tells him loads of gobbledygook, um, and says that Debbie needs a transfusion, so he's going to have to give his blood. Now, this is strong, but I fucking hated this whole sequence. The setup: right. De- Debbie's been in a car crash, yep. needs a blood transfusion. It's a serious accident. Where's the comedy? Yeah, there isn't any comedy, is there? No. It's basically... Like, literally, you could take this scene and put it in an episode of Casualty. Yeah. And it wouldn't be out of place for the tone it takes until there's some daft things involved in nicking his clothes and all that shit later on. Yeah, I guess the... The logic of the film is we need a reason to keep Andy at the hospital for a long time, which is obviously the transfusion. But yeah, it's not it's not funny. There's tons of other setups you can like, have for him. Yeah. I don't know, like for some reason he badly needs an enema or something. That wouldn't get past the censors from another perspective there, I don't think, an enema. Oh, no, but... <laughs> In a Disney movie. Yeah, but it's just weirdly dark and with no yeah. comedic value. And yeah. But bizarre. then... So obviously back at the stadium, they can't find Andy. So another player is going to hold the ball for Gus. And it's cut with uh, shots of Andy trying to escape. Yeah, with a really weird x-ray. So this is the closest thing we, closest thing we get to animation in this film. Yeah, because the credits, this is the first credits that aren't animated as well, yes, wasn't it? Yes, it is, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I quite like this little bit um, where, yeah, there's a x-ray machine in one room. Mm. Andy, and for some reason a cat yeah. that's just in the room... And the crook um, basically have a bit of a scuffle, but inside the x-ray machine, and it's completely animated, their skeletons fighting. Mm. I actually quite like that bit. I did, yeah. Although all I did was make a very grotesque note. Right. Uh, nice double entendre. Andy handles some pussy. <laughs> oh, God. But, but the only one is to handle. <laughs> I actually wrote for this bit, best 10 seconds of the movie. I thought it was as well. Because it was like... Obviously rotoscope, so they'd obviously filmed them actually having a scuffle and then animated the... Yeah. Yeah, it, it just looked really interesting. Yeah, it was a very inventive part of the film that Sully could, uh, could have done with a lot more of it. So we cut back to the stadium. Gus is refusing to kick. There's 18 seconds left of the game. And Andy turns up. Um, and then it turns out that the other person holding the ball is Debbie. And... Gus kicks the ball for Debbie, which then puts us in the situation of Andy being completely irrelevant. Yes, he is. Because if Gus kicks for Debbie... Anyone who knows of secret password, Yes, yeah, because yeah, what we haven't mentioned is that there's a... 
Yugoslavian word that he says, which causes like, him to sing. Yeah, like Usha or something, yeah. as I mentioned earlier on. Yeah, that's the reason why the Gus kicks, but it's not connected to Andy or his voice whatsoever. He, he just does it for anyone. On a more serious note, I did think... Um, even if there are no rules in the NFL playbook saying that animals can't play, I bet you any money there are rules against women playing. I, yeah, as in rule, like, man. <laughs> between, it, play between 15 men. Because, yeah, women are more bothered about than animals. Although, uh, my note about this whole thing, you, you can tell I, I work in administration <laughs> because I'm just thinking, wait a minute, it's so well and good that it's like, players undefined, but they still need to be registered to play. You can't just have have any old sod go on the field. Just turn up on the team. They would have had to have registered Gus to have played first. More than likely. But, you know, Debbie can't just run on the field. She's not a registered football player. And heaven forbid a woman play in the NFL. I know, she's got boobs. She can't kick or anything. Yeah, Andy's pissed off because obviously Debbie can do his job. So he, he, Andy can do one. Yeah, so he does. He, do, he does one all the way to the airport to leave for Yugoslavia. <sighs> and, and Debbie arrives to, <laughs> to convince him otherwise. No, if I was Debbie in his position, I'd go to the airport and go, Bye. Bye. See Shut ya. Off. The note that I've put is that Andy's a little whiny bitch. Yeah, he, he really is. Yeah. I just find him really irredeemable. It's not like he does anything evil or anything like that. It's just, the... like I said, it's just, he's very vain. Again, a trope we seem to be finding with these films. He's a lead character that's not really a protagonist because he doesn't push the plot forward at any time. He's completely passive for the whole film. He just does exactly what he's told. He doesn't really stick up for himself at any point. And he's not a character you can really give a shit about for Mm. that reason. And it was the same in the Computer War Tennis Shoes where Kurt Russell's character, he, you know, everything happens to him. He's never at any point pushing the plot forward. Yeah. So, I mean, the problem we've got here is quite clearly Gus should have been a talking horse. Yeah. Or... So so he could have, like, delivered some dialogue instead and, like, this is, could, have, could have been all his journey. Yeah, there's, you know, when you have films like this where you've got sort of an animal as sort of the main character, normally the animal will be shown to have more of a cognitive sort of personality yeah. than a real-life animal. But at, up until this point... All we've seen him do is be a horse and kick a ball. Yeah, he doesn't even clop once for yes and twice for no. He just no, he kicks just... the ball. But that changes later on, doesn't it? He's, he suddenly has a personality, but we'll get to that at the end. Yep. But up to this point, he's just a fucking mule. And so is Gus. Hey. Yeah. There was another, an actual bit of dialogue that made me laugh in the next bit, which was, oh, by the way, Cooper sends Andy and Gus into hiding. Yeah. Then we get um, in the changing rooms, Coach Venn is being interviewed and he's getting really positive about the game and attributing the win basically to the whole team. And the reporter's like, well, what about Gus's 14 field goals? And I thought that was pretty funny because this is the first time where like, because the team are always like really upbeat about winning and it, it's this is the first time someone actually says, you know, it's nothing to do with you. <laughs> like, so this is a bit of a not, I'm not sure if it is a plot hole but we don't really establish when they're not inducing penalties on the field so when Gus isn't scoring a penalty it's been established that the whole team's incompetent yeah so surely if you have a team are still all scoring touchdowns and such I, kept, and that, I did think this and that, yeah. 
And I believe, if I remember rightly, a touchdown equals seven points. Yeah. So Gus is having to kick at least three field goals to make up for every touchdown scored against them. Yeah. So are they trying to say that the team is suddenly vaguely competent in a lot of places in order to keep the uh, opposition out from scoring? Well, one of the notes I made was that I obviously know jack shit about this kind of thing, but I did think the field goals... Because it is like a bit like a penalty. Yeah, if it is it goals, even possible to win just on field goals? It is, but it, you talk about three points at a time. Yeah, but you'd need to be against an, an equally incompetent team, essentially. You'd have to be against someone who fouls quite a lot yeah. in order to induce the penalties. Yeah. Even if it's a strategy of California Adams to get deliberately fouled. Yeah. Even then, like I said, they've established a team to not be good enough to keep the... Uh, opposition out from scoring so yeah that, that doesn't make any sense to me in all fairness no i'll use this as a point to say as well like um usually during this film when we're in the middle of a game um it'll keep flashing up um pictures of the scoreboard yeah um and every time it's flashed up it was just complete gobbledygook to me <laughs> like i didn't have enough time whenever it was on to interpret what the scores mean it's not like in a normal you know like in a football match where you've literally just got the score it's all broken down at no point did i have time to figure out whose score was whose what the who was winning (laughs) do it to a quick explain the scoreboard i really don't want you to explain it but i'm just saying i know this was me personally i know that there will have been a lot of people and obviously especially an American audience, they would have instantly been looked at the scoreboard and known what it meant. But yeah. I really was just like, it might as well have been in French. <laughs> I mean, uh, this film was definitely just made for an American audience because bear in mind, yeah. Amer- American football didn't really take off in the UK until, God, very recently. About 10, 15 years ago. I mean, yeah. I know um, back in the day, like my brother pretended to like it for a while because a couple of his friends were into it. This is like 2002, 2003 time, but even then that turned out to be a load of old bollocks. Yeah. It wasn't until the NFL started branching out, and they now do games at Wembley Stadium over here every yeah, they season. Yeah, do, don't they? And I, that's and that's just for us. Yeah. Elsewhere, I don't know how popular it is, but I mean, when we were at uni, so that's about ten years ago. NFL Super Bowl parties weren't a thing. No, they weren't. Whereas nowadays, even over here, people stay up late into the night. They do. To just to watch the Super Bowl, and it's something that I would actually be quite interested in doing one time. I like to point out I'm not sad enough to do that. <laughs> WrestleMania, though. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's got their weird thing they'll stay up to watch. I'll stay up till 5am to watch WrestleMania. I'll not st- a problem. I'll stay up to watch a 15-minute Nintendo Direct, but that's about it. <laughs> you know, fans, you can stay in bed for that one, can't you? You, you don't need well, to it, make yeah. an effort. Yeah. <laughs> Just set an alarm and watch it on my phone. <laughs> yeah, nice cup of cocoa. That sounds really me. good, actually. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah I'll say, let's take off this podcast of cocoa. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Let's rewatch last night's uh, Nintendo Direct. Yeah. Yeah, so as we've said, Andy and um, Gus are in hiding. Debbie's chatting to them on the phone, um, and the crooks are listening in. Um, and the things that Andy says, he basically says that the, he's by the ocean, um, and um, Charlie knows that um, Cooper has a cabin in the California mountains, so he knows where he is. And But then... In the very next shot, um, basically the crooks beat Andy and Andy's driver to the location because they stopped them on their way. Yeah, I don't know how because I thought Andy was 
already there. Yeah, hidden away. That was a real big plot hole, I thought. Yeah. One of the crooks is pretending to be a scout leader whose bus is stuck, um, and Andy helps by uh, trying to lever it out. And whilst he's doing that, the other crook swaps the mule for another mule, Gus for another mule, who is painted to look like Gus. <sighs> um, I've got another problem with this. Here we go, Spicy Willy. Not really. <laughs> so, I mean, I ask you, you know, so you've got, we've got our official Velvet Mouse mascot, that's Daisy the Cat. Yeah. Yep. If you put Daisy, so let, to establish, is, is a tortoise shell cat, be, be, be a bit of a lovely grumpy face, is adorable, a bit slightly heavyish, shall we say? You calling my cat fat? I'm calling it a hecking chonker. <laughs> oh, Lord, he, she coming. So, if you... <laughs> If you put Daisy in a room with ten other tortoiseshell cats that look exactly the same as her, you'd still be able to point at a spot that, wouldn't you? Absolutely, Because it's your your cat, and you've been around it for God knows how long. You'll just instantly know just by pure instinct. I'm kind of willing to let this slide just because it's such a big common trope in cinema which kind of comes even earlier from theater of the whole sort of idea of disguise and intrigue it it's like when you're going back you're going back to shakespeare where you've got people just putting on a false mustache and suddenly we don't recognize them are we talk about winter's tale now yeah let's go for it yeah Act four, scene three, motherfucker, bring it. Yeah, I um. How was it Act four, scene three? Isn't that one where someone nearly shags his sister or something? Wait, Shakespeare. So yeah. Yeah. So I'm will, and obviously I'm I'm an ex thespian with a dramatic background. So I'm not. <laughs> so I'm I'm I was. It annoyed me because in reality you would obviously no it wasn't your mule but obviously it's it's a trope of cinema and theatre that disguises always work mm. no matter how shit they are <laughs> or the uh, sister sister principle where there's two twins and yes. no one can ever tell them apart <laughs> yeah. but even even the, even the people that are watching the show learn who's who yeah yeah like oh she's got a freck on her face and she doesn't yeah so we're at the hotel booking in um, where they try and sneak Gus in. I've got another problem. Is it the guy behind the desk? No. All right. So we've got this big secret plan to hide this horse. Surely Cooper, not Cooper, the other guy, either bad owner who... Charlie. Charlie. Surely he's got a secret hideaway that we can store the horse in and not go to a travel lodge. Yeah, it was a bit weird that they decide that they're going to keep the horse in their hotel room. But yeah, there's the really creepy guy behind the desk who, like, they pretend to lose his. He pretends to lose his contact lens, and the guy helps him out. And it was all a bit weird. Yeah. Um. I think basically the guy on the desk was the only person in the film that realised he was supposed to be in a comedy. Yeah. He was the only. Much. He was the only person playing. He was like something out of Faulty Towers. Like he was really going for it, mm. but nobody. It wasn't his fault that every single other actor was not going for it. Oh yes, Gus uh, this might be nominated for an Academy Award That's the thing, like a, fi- a film with a bad script like this is, can be lifted by the performances often Yeah. like although the script is very dry obviously the concept is quite silly and if you had people acting silly it would work a lot better but all of these films that we've watched with a silly concept everyone's just playing it too straight yes they are yeah yeah so then we get a dumb joke where um, they're in the lift with this old couple and gus eats the fruit off the lady's hat uh, that didn't really land for me did it land for you um 
It, I thought it worked, but I've seen this gag so many times. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, once they're in the hotel room, we have the gag that we all saw coming, which was that Gus was gets into bed with one of them. Mm. Knew that knew it was happening. Yeah. So again, I wasn't really infused by that. Um, and then Super Bowl Saturday, Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. I've written Saturday. I thought it was took place on Sunday. It probably does. Anyway, it looks like a <laughs> massive green screen again. <laughs> yeah, and Pepper Pratt is uh, back behind the mic. Another fucking ninety seconds of it. Yeah. Right. So you'd hope that his comeuppance, whenever he gets it, it's going to be really good. Yeah. Will it be? We'll find out soon. Well, we'll see. Um, <laughs> it's a rainy day, which obviously equals a muddy field. Mama and Papa Petrovich um, have been invited to watch. Still think that Andy's a bit of a joke. Um, and then fake Gus obviously doesn't want to kick the ball at all. But um, real Gus hears Andy on the hotel TV and uh, kicks the TV in. Then Andy, who obviously is concerned for this fake Gus, rubs his nose and all the paint comes off. And uh, real Gus breaks out of his hotel room to try and get back to Andy. Uh, I love how the music, as Gus breaks out, sounds like fake Mission Impossible. Yes, it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like duh, 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 duh. First bit where the soundtrack was actually trying to build a bit of suspense as well, wasn't it, really? It was. Um, and then Andy and Hooper um, fly out in a helicopter. Right, I'm going to make, for the next episode, I'm going to make us some bingo cards for Disney Bingo. Yep. Because um, yet again, here's a helicopter. And I got quite excited because our two goons... Walked past a used car lot. Yeah, and I was, I've written, worried about car chase. I thought they were going to jump in one. I just wrote, hmm. <laughs> but for, luckily for us, they did not. Fuck me, this is the first live action one we've done without a car chase. I say live action, one set on Earth that yeah, we've not done. Yeah, the first film set on Earth without a car chase, unless you class showing the clip no, from Million Dollar No, it doesn't count. <laughs> it's for a film we've already reviewed. If we hadn't done Million Dollar Duck before, and I might have allowed it, but no, we right. can't. Okay. So yeah, um, the crooks chase goes through this used car dealership into a supermarket, and uh, the plan is for them to lasso Gus, and lots of lots and lots of hijinks ensue this is another one like the car chasing one of our dinosaurs is missing yeah. it's like fucking hell this is going on 15 minutes here this was a real like and it feels longer because every scene in the film is so short but yeah. this whole sequence is pr- it just keeps going and going and going and each gag that point in there is painstakingly set up uh, to pay off immediately so it's like uh, one of the goons, or Tim Conway, he reaches underneath the shelf because he thinks that the horse's leg is there, but it turns out a woman steps around in a place. I, along. I, I quite like that. I thought it was quite an inventive gag because she's wearing um, platform shoes, isn't she? Yeah. And he grabs the platform and obviously feel, it feels exactly like a hoof. Yeah. And he's pulling on it. And then I thought that was quite an unexpected gag, but it, I liked it. It was, but then the way it pays off is that then you have this like big, massive bodybuilder guy appear. But it takes so long for bodybuilder to actually approach the guy. Yeah, it like, does, um, yeah. Yeah, because like, oh, what's going on? Like, walks up, then he finally, like, shoves him away. Um, it just takes too long. 
it feels like there should be about six different shots that should have been cut out here. There was another good um, visual gag where the um, guy on the meat counter is telling a customer, oh, yes, we have the, the freshest meat available. And then, like, Gus runs out from behind the counter. <laughs> that was, like, my second favourite gag of the whole film. <laughs> yeah. That was actually pretty hilarious. Yeah. And um, I, gen- like, in the same way as one of our dinosaurs is missing, where the gags kept lining up. So, and it, it went for so long that it kept getting funnier i actually really like this sequence i know you're right in saying that like they do spend maybe a little too long setting up each of the gags Mm. um but i didn't mind it too much and i thought like again because this film leading up to it was so sedate and so dry like this really long 15 minute slapstick with like flour and mustard and all sorts of shit flying everywhere i really loved it yeah Okay. I think because of doing drama and stuff, I and doing a lot of physical comedy at uni, like I really appreciate a bit of physical comedy in I'm, a film. Oh, don't get me wrong, I I love physical comedy. Like I basically grew up watching like Bottom and the young ones, no <laughs> Yeah. But it has to be snappier. I think it, I say it's funny enough. All the other scenes could have done being slow, and this one could have done being faster. I think one of the things that was a genuine issue was like we'll we'll use what I've just said, the mustard and the ketchup, as an example. Um, they go to lasso or trap Gus. Gus steps on some ketchup and mustard, which sprays the guy in the face. Mm-hmm. If it was the last gag in the sequence, what would normally happen is you would then zoom in on the guy's face and it would go like wah 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 and then it would end but the problem is it does that anyway so you still have the the close-up the wah 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 but then it doesn't end because of course like in reality being sprayed in the face with ketchup if you really want to grab this horse you're still going to grab him yeah so normally that would be the end and the horse escapes but then we go back to another attempt to capture it well there's a massive fucking cake to destroy first isn't yeah there? we blow up a cake we land in some live main lobsters yeah and then um i quite like the ending and again this was a single gag that they stretched out to make which got funnier which was um tim conway ends up with his ass in a bucket oh in yeah. a big in a big stack of buckets and then as they it takes ages to try and get him out of the buckets because they have to take them off one by one yeah and that that extended joke just just got funnier for me and then like he had to sort of waddle around with his ass hanging out because of the way he's stuck in it yeah i i, I, I like that i was indifferent to it yeah fair enough but i was just a bit fed up at this point in I, all fairs. i can understand why but I, th- I think again i'm i only like it in relation to what has come before it fair enough yeah like if if, it, if the film was better leading up to it but it feels like a decent payoff for a very boring film <laughs> um and then yeah gus escapes and is spotted from the helicopter they, they fly in by helicopter back to the stadium right here we go oh is this your bit that you didn't like yeah the shots of gus being gurned down yeah that i hadn't horse, thought of that that, that horse looks fucking terrified yeah, I didn't really pay that much attention, but I guess you're right. Yeah. Now that, I think about it. <laughs> that's an instance where we should have just stuck in front of a green screen and then used, yeah, the, that's the, true, then used editing to make him smaller and then make him bigger again. Yeah, considering all of the other stuff they've done with green screen, there's no reason they couldn't Yeah, have. Like, like literally they made the effort to make it a physical shot, but yet they couldn't be asked to use a proper football stadium. Or even use a fake donkey. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. A- any option, but yeah. A bit of old uh, Disney animal abuse, because every film needs a bit of Disney animal abuse. In yeah. That. So um, the uh, atoms... Are... Oh, go on. Oh, no, sorry. Uh, with uh, 
I'm not sure if we jumped a bit, but now we get the commentary gag paying off. Yes, we do, don't we? Yeah. Where Pepper Pot is... Uh, he just loses his voice. He loses his voice in shock because Gus turns up and then the other sportscaster gets a chance to say some words. But it wasn't really that much of a good payoff, was it? I wanted him to be hit overhead. I wanted him to be in physical pain because yeah. he was so annoying. I wanted him to be bludgeoned to death. Yeah. His blood smeared all over the news desk. That would have been most satisfying. Yeah. But the Atoms are losing by one point, so they're going into a field goal with three seconds of the game left. And uh, for the note I wrote next is, gee, is Andy going to win it for them? I, I guessed it. That's interesting because I didn't guess yeah, that. I, I, I guessed it. Yeah. Quite, because I'm thinking now, like in terms of a script, thinking, shit, Andy hasn't actually done anything. Yeah. Better try and redeem him somehow. So Gus slips, misses the ball, passes it to Andy, who then uh, scores a touchdown. But the thing that pissed me off was like, there is. No physical way any of this could have happened in three seconds. No, it's, no. Because he runs all the way down the field. This was much. literally another... It was all in slow motion, and it was literally another two-minute sequence. Yeah. Where he gets chased by Debbie's jealous boyfriend, who now somehow is being traded to the other team of Super Which Bowl, I hadn't that final. Yeah, I, I thought he not got explained. Shipped, I thought he got shipped off to a really shit team in Michigan. Yeah. I thought that was the gag, but whatever. Never mind. And because of the rainy... Of the rain making the pitch muddy. What we get here is basically a series of coincidences. Yeah. That Andy, even though he slips and fumbles the ball two or three times, which in the rules of American football would automatically make the play null and void. Right. Yeah, he, both, he basically just keeps having the ball handed back to him until he finally gets it over the line and he wins the Super Bowl for them. I hate when, and it happens in all sorts of films. There's not very long left, which is obviously used for tension, and then they clearly extend over that time schedule yeah. to win. And it winds me up because even if, like, if we had ten seconds left, that's still giving enough tension. I think ten seconds would have been fine. Yeah, because because all of that could possibly have happened in ten seconds, but it could not have happened in three. I am um, instantly, for some reason, I was watching an NBA game. This is basketball. Yeah. Um, and I'm not very a fan of basketball in all fairness, but I was just watching it anyway. And they had a really good dramatic play, 10 seconds towards the end. Yeah. And it played off with that sort of drama you'd expect from a film like this. Yeah. And that was like with 10 seconds to go. So it's perfectly plausible. But yet for some reason, in sports films, they go for the Mission Impossible James Bond, a bomb's about to set off. Oh, I've deactivated the bomb with one second to go principle. Yeah. Which doesn't actually work in no. sport. Yeah. And then... Um, so Andy's won the Super Bowl. Andy's won the Super Bowl, gets a snog from Debbie, and Dad's happy. Charlie's not. But there's one bit, one tiny little bit at the very end, where Debbie talks to Gus, and it turns out that... Gus deliberately slipped so Andy could have his moment. I was shucking more pistachios at that point because I didn't remember that. Yeah, he, mm. he, that's the final shot. He gives a wink. Of course he <laughs> fucking does. Well, yeah, but of course that's how <laughs> film ends. So Andy's moment in the sun was caused because Gus was charitable to him. Yeah. In the end, Andy is just... He's a bit pathetic, really. Yeah. I know he's just won the Super Bowl, but fucking hell. The end. Yep. <laughs> So yeah, final thoughts. Do you want to go first? I spent two pound forty nine to watch a mule kicking footballs. Yeah. Um, 
it was a film that tried very, very hard for all of its gags to land and for the concepts to work. And I feel like if it was a bit more focused in certain elements and not others, so maybe work more on particular slapstick gags instead of trying every single gag we could think of. Yeah. It may have worked a lot better and it needed some character development at some point. That would be nice Mm -hmm. because there's literally none here. I think the horse gets the most character development here. Yeah. Yeah. And Uh, that's not much. Yeah, and that's about it, really. It was a film about a horse that kicks a football made Uh, by Disney. Yeah, as you said, it's another film that suffers from lack of characterization. Um, we never really know who anyone is. Um, and more importantly, we never really know how anyone feels apart from Andy, who is whiny and pissed off at his dad. Um, we never know what the stakes are, really, because apart from obviously... Selling the football team. Yeah, I know they're the stakes for the whole plot, but like, I don't understand... We don't understand why people are going along with it yeah like why anyone would help cooper in the way that they do what's your thoughts on cooper you said earlier yeah Yeah. so cooper something we've not really mentioned is cooper for the whole film is coded as a bad guy he has a he smokes a massive cigar he's dressed like almost like a mafia character yeah he is rude horrible nasty to everybody all he cares about is getting the team to the super bowl he's clearly only his only driving influence is greed and money yeah and we're supposed to root for him in a way because the whole point of the film is for him to win the super bowl and at the end what have andy and gus won nothing really all they've like i mean andy has won the respect of his dad apparently but (laughs) By being exploited by this apparent bad, like he's supposed. Charlie is played as the bad guy, yeah. but only because we're from Cooper's perspective. Cooper is just as much a twat and an evil person as Charlie. So, as an audience, I was. I know we're supposed to root for Gus because you know he's the comical, cute horse mm. that we want to win, but. At the end of the day, either way, some twat is going to own this team. I think Cooper is very much an archetype of that sort of period. Yeah. Uh, in that the whole big maverick uh, feel like owner sort of thing was a trait to be admired instead of thinking, wow, well, I mean, it's just a dickhead that's gambling the lives of the people below him for, for a thrill, basically. Um. I mean, I think that sort of character is quite outdated now. Absolutely, like you, there's you, you no. You wouldn't see it now, definitely not. I don't know if we're supposed to see him as a redeeming character at all, just because the way he talks to everybody, he is rude and horrible to people. He only cares about the money. There's times when he doesn't refer to like the cheerleaders and stuff. He doesn't refer to them ever by name. Mm. He's just a prick, and yeah. I don't know if we're supposed to like him in any way. But yeah, so yeah, going back to characterization, no idea what Debbie's job was. Didn't know Rob was a football player until he literally showed up. The crooks' names, we don't even know what their, you know, we don't know what their previous crimes are that warrant them to be 
chosen for this role. General Goonin. Yeah, it's literally just hench. They're just henchmen. Yeah. As I said earlier, the whole beginning of the film felt like an editing disaster, really sloppy and disjointed, um, especially when the credits were coming in. And I, we didn't mention then, but like the there was no reasoning for the points where the footage of the game were being paused to then put in credits. Like it would have worked better if every time it was like the film looked like one of the players was going to do well, stopped, mm. and then we saw them fumble the ball. And that happened sometimes, but then sometimes the credits would stop after they'd already fallen face down in the mud and things like that. Yeah, So it Weird. it seemed like there was no rhyme or reason to why it was edited the way it was, and it was really pissing me off, that whole section. I mean, a good point, there was no car chase. <laughs> <laughs> I miss the car chases, so... I know you said it was contrived about Andy winning the game for them, and I personally didn't see it coming, but I totally get your reasoning for that. Yeah. Too heavy reliance on a green screen. It looks so dated. And yeah, I've said about Cooper being an absolute prick. But, you know, at least a bad guy who only cares about money. Yeah, won. That's great. Hmm. Well done, him. Numbers. Yeah. Numbers time. Uh... How many gems am I going to give this? Uh, compared to what else we've had, I'm going to go straight down the middle and give it a five. I was I was tempted by a five. I gave it a six just for the extra slapstick at the end, which I did quite enjoy. I was tempted to give it a six, but then I remembered I, I preferred like some million dollar duck, so it's a step below that sort of thing. I, I, I don't know how. Yeah, you I, could I think, think you that was a better film. You should watch Million Dollar Duck again. Um, your opinion will change. Maybe in a year's time I'll do these two as a double feature and then top myself. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say something funnier, but no. No, just feel, yeah, why not? And I'll ring you up beforehand and tell you that I've been in a terrible car crash and I need your uh, blood as a transfusion um, for the for the lols. That'd be a really funny scene. Yeah. Few hijinks. And then I'll kill myself. Yeah. <sighs> So what was that then? That's uh, 11 out of 20. That's not a very good score. Again. Not really, no. And uh, we've, you know, that was technically my choice, but I did let the uh, the listeners, you know, take the bullet for me, really. Yep. <laughs> so I guess it's technically your choice now. I won't be making the same mistake again. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> listeners, but you know, I'm in charge now. So your normal tactic is to go for a film with the most clickbaity title you can find. Is that what you've done this time? No, it's not. And I'm going for a different film what you thought as well. Oh, really? Because you told me a film. Yeah. Which I was quite looking forward to watching. And I've watched it and I'm banking it for a bit later on. All right. Because I'd uh, rather next time we look at a film called The Island at the Top of the World. Ooh. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I saw my mum uh, watching it the other day and I thought, that actually looks quite decent. So I thought, I'll bump up the order. Oh, nice. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get into the film I've already uh, watched a bit later on instead. So, The Island on Top of the World. Now, I've never heard of this one. I don't even know if it's on Disney Life. I hope yeah. I've got the right title. It's on Sky, so at least I don't have to pay £2.49 for this one. It's definitely a Disney film, isn't it? It is, yes. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did double check this. 
Okay, so that's us for this week. Um, where can people find you, Chris, on the Tinted Web? You can find me on Twitter sometimes at KidsWol, that's S-W-O-L. And my Twitter is at TimblesRH. And our official Twitter for this podcast is at Without a Mouse. And we're also on Instagram now, also at Without a Mouse. We've been around long enough that if you, for any reason at all, and I don't know why, but if you're enjoying our content, please do review us on whatever platform you're using. Um, If you've seen any of the films that we've watched already, leave a mini review. We'll read it out. Okay, yeah. That's pl- please review us. Yeah. That would be great. Five stars only, though. Don't bother. Oh, yeah. Don't bother with bloody four stars. Bloody shit. <laughs> yeah, whatever stars you put should be the stars for the this podcast and not the film that you're reviewing. Because yeah. <laughs> that would be a travesty. Yeah. Like, this is bollocks for horse kicks a football. What's going on? You know, <laughs> that's not a podcast. We're just reviewing it. Just this one time. Nothing else. I, I listened to a really funny podcast called Why Won't You Date Me with the comedian uh, Nicole Bayer. And she asks her listeners to um, leave her like a really gross come on. <laughs> like like coming on to them and she reads them out and they're f- fucking gross Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that's us for this week and we'll be back with the island at the top, top of, of the, the world, world. <laughs> bye bye Without a Mouse is part of the We Made This Podcast Network. Logo by Chris House. Theme tunes by Ether Orr.